Hi there, this is Paul from Archonnect Sessions, and this is a special mini session in partnership with the Los Angeles Design Festival, taking place in downtown LA from June 8th to 11th. Our conversation today is with Edwin Chan of the LA-based EC3. Edwin began his career immediately after graduating in the mid-80s from Harvard's GSD program at the office of Frank O. Gary and Associates. While at Gary's office, he worked as design partner on numerous iconic projects, including the Vitra International Factory and Design Museum, Venice Gateway, Foundation Louis Vuitton, and the Guggenheim Bilbao. Since 2012, he has been working on projects at a variety of scales from his own office, EC3, in Venice Beach. I spoke with him about this work and as it relates to the two cities that he's currently active in, Los Angeles and Detroit. You were very closely involved with the design of some of the most recognizable projects from Frank Gehry's office during your time there as a design partner before you left to start your own practice, EC3. Can you talk a little bit about the transition from working there to starting your own practice and how your work has evolved since then? Well, I think, well, back at Frank's office, I was very fortunate in the sense that I was exposed. I had the opportunity to, as you said, work on some of the most uh, high profile projects. But most importantly, I think, you know, Frank over the years has built up this sort of incredible infrastructure of an office. So everything is sort of set up from the computer software, I'm sure you know all that, to the model shops and to the administrative aspect of the office. I think that's probably one of his most incredible invention or design is sort of his office that has allowed him and the office to do the kind of work the office was producing. So the biggest challenge from my part is to try to reinvent a kind of infrastructure that works for my practice, obviously in a much more modest scale, and also to try to kind of look for the type of projects that sort of works for me and explore new territories. I think a lot of the the projects at Frank's office, they were, you know, obviously very sculptural, you know, very identifiable. And one of my interest in sort of my own practice is also exploring things that are a little bit maybe more urbanistic that incorporates other aspects of the architectural or the cross-disciplinary practice. So try to open up horizons and try new things that I wasn't able to do at Frank's office. So can you talk a little bit about the infrastructure of your office that you've been working to create? Well, I mean, I think obviously just being a smaller office, a startup office, so to speak, you know, I sort of don't have the luxury of sort of a whole army (laughs) of people that I I used to have. So I think one of the first thing that I'm I'm interested in is I have to learn, I think, much to to how to create the design in a much more efficient way, both in terms of sort of the process and decision making. That actually is a very good (laughs) learning curve for me because, you know, at Frank's office, I was able to kind of create a lot of iterations and try out many different things. And now I just kind of have to be a lot more disciplined in terms of working with the physical models and also the computer models and so on and so forth, and really think much harder, actually, in terms of what I could do and what I should be doing. And I think that's one of the, the thing. And of course, there's still a lot of working both manually and digitally. And we have to also streamline the process a little bit and sort of relying on maybe like a lot of consultants and using other resources as opposed to in-house resource to try to get things done. So maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the projects that you've undertaken since starting EC3. 
Well, one of the first projects that I worked on after I started EC3 was an interior project called The Chalet. And it was in collaboration with my artist friend, uh, Piero Golia. And we made two installations, one here in LA in Hollywood, and then another one in Dallas at the National Sculpture Center by Renzo Piano. Obviously, I can talk about this project for a long time, but basically the premise is about artists questioning the model of the traditional white box, which is the the industry standard of how to show art, and trying to work with them to create a space that is also a social sculpture and a more engaging artistic experience. And it was extremely successful, I think, and we're hoping that maybe in the future it could become a different kind of exhibition model for the artistic uh, community. And then in the last couple of years, I started working on a house, a residence in L.A., up on Mulholland Drive. (laughs) It's kind of an ironic thing because I think a lot of my friends, they would start their career working on residential projects. (laughs) And this is actually the only residential project that I've ever done. I've never done any other residential project, but it's so far going really well. It's for a, uh, a French client, a French couple who are also art collectors. And this is their second residence here in L.A. And we're now in the middle of a a planning permit application process. And then, of course, as related to Detroit, I'm working on this community of Quonset huts called True North. And this is a 180 degree departure from anything that I've sort of ever done before. But I think it's extremely meaningful in the sense that I'm working with a uh, a predetermined form, which is the Quonset hut, an industrial fabrication, and trying to make it affordable and relevant to a city like Detroit, which is, as you know, currently going through this transformation to reinvent itself. So it's exactly the kind of challenge that I'm looking to have when I sort of left Frank's office is for working on things that are very different in terms of scale, budget, and also in cities that are undergoing through this kind of incredible change. And the project in Detroit is almost done. I think it's probably going to be done in a month or so. In fact, some of the residences have already moved in and people seem to really embrace it. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. In terms of what's coming up, I'm going to be working on an exhibition design again for the Bass Museum in Miami. It's for a fashion exhibition. I can't talk about it too much, but again, it's sort of consistent with this cross-disciplinary theme that I'm sort of interested in pursuing. And I'm also designing a dog, (laughs) a dog as in an animal, a dog sculpture. Oh, wow. And this is actually interesting. Going back to our conversation earlier, it's going to be made with crystal. And this is actually one opportunity that I have that we're exploring like a lot of fabrication techniques in terms of creating these kind of abstract forms that resembles a dog. Obviously, we're not literally doing a dog, but it's an abstraction of a dog. So this is actually pretty interesting as a process and as a research to kind of explore that aspect of um, architecture. Is that a site-specific installation or just an art piece? You can call it an art piece. It's not a site-specific thing, but it'll be a limited edition. So it's a new territory for me. So I hope I would do something interesting. We'll see. (laughs) Do you find that your work tends to lend itself more to specific scale? No, I like the the challenge of working on different scales. That's why I think 
For example, the dog sculpture, it's a smaller scale. The house is another scale that's different. And then Detroit, it's a more urban scale, which I, I like working on because it's a lot of it is about designing the public spaces in between. Of course, at Frank's office, I've also worked on things or buildings that are much larger in scale. I, I like the shifting scale because I, I call it like an ecosystem. You have to have different types of scales to balance itself out. And one scale becomes a research project for another scale and vice versa. So I think that's what makes it interesting to constantly be shifting scales. Is the project in Detroit, is that your first project that you've done in, in that city? Correct. So what has your experience been with, with Detroit since uh, starting to work on that? Well, I think definitely I like the energy uh, of Detroit a lot. And, you know, I know a lot, the media has talked about it. You know, there's been a lot of coverage on it. But just imagine this. We started the project about a year ago, in fact. I went to the site for the first time on Mother's Day last year. So it was exactly a year ago. And within one year, we designed it. And it's almost complete. And in fact, I think some of the people have started to move in. So it happened really fast. And I like the speed of how things could happen. It's a city that you can actually make things happen. As opposed to in a city like LA, a project like that might take a much, much longer time to to realize. So the energy in Detroit, I find it very refreshing, in fact. Well, speaking of LA, as a long-term resident of LA and and an architect that has worked for many years in LA, what is your relationship with this city? What do you think of LA as a place to live and as a place to be an architect? Well, the answer is quite simple. I mean, I love LA. I, I consider LA my home. And it's also one of the reasons why I decided to build my practice in LA because I still think that LA, I mean, the diversity, the multiculturalism of LA. And also right now, as you know, the art scene is exploding in LA with a lot of new galleries, the museums. It's really a, a great inspiration for me, Los Angeles. I remember actually long, long time ago when I graduated from architecture school, you know, we all had to be confronted with that question. So who do you want to work for and where do you want to go, right? And there was not a question in my mind that I wanted to relocate to LA. And it's not so much about the weather so much. It's, it's like LA has incredible light and living in Venice here, you get to see the horizon and you get to see the sky change is always a source of inspiration. So I, I really cannot imagine living or working anywhere else, despite the fact that I might have projects elsewhere. But I think LA is where I want to develop them. So I'm aware that you're currently designing or you have designed a stage set for a play. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, as part of my, my practice, I've always been interested in, uh, in set design. And when I was at Frank's office, I sort of did some stage sets for the LA Opera. And when I had the opportunity to design the set for Frankie, I said uh, I agreed to doing it immediately for a number of different reasons. Number one, Frankie is a 21st century reimagining of the classic Frankenstein story. And it's trying to kind of pose a lot of questions about the role of artificial intelligence and what it means in our society today. So it, it's asking some pretty big questions. But at the same time, the theater company uh, in Hong Kong, which produced the play, was geared towards high school students. So it really has a mission about education and provoking young people to be more exposed to performing arts. And definitely 
nowadays, in the context of what we were talking about earlier about Snapchats and kids being exposed to the digital and net social medium like at a very young age, I think these are very important questions to at least to raise. And then, of course, I was intrigued by the the challenge. It was a very challenging production in the sense that it, we have a very limited budget. So it's a question of how to create a stage set that satisfy all these different requirements. So I worked with a colleague of mine in Hong Kong called Dennis Lee, and his firm is called Architecture Innovative. Uh, and we together work on the set and we devise a scaffolding system that could be adapted to the different scenes. And that's kind of what we've done. And we have to also rely on a lot of multimedia projections and lighting effects and so on and so forth. So, and we sort of made the sets and we attach onto the scaffolding system, the polycarbonate panels that has this kind of translucent look to it. So it gives it some kind of a futuristic industrial feel with a very affordable cost. And the play debuted in Hong Kong during March, the Art Basel time in Hong Kong, and it was extremely well received. So I feel kind of good about it at the moment. (laughs) Yeah, it's Pretty amazing, actually, how much you were able to do. The budget was only 25000 is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the part that it's not a Lincoln Center budget or anything that I was privileged to in my previous career. So I think trying to do something special with that kind of budget, it's challenging, but it's actually very satisfying if you can do something good. Yeah, it's really amazing. And one of the sets that are a part of this uh, project appears to be almost entirely light and projections with with very little material components. Yeah, you know, we wanted it to have this kind of ephemeral look because clearly with that kind of a budget, we're not able to create Blade Runner. So it has to be an in, like a suggestive aesthetic. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Make sure to check out the show notes online at rconnect.com to check out some of the work that was brought up in our conversation. If you're able to attend the LA Design Festival, Edwin will be on a live panel titled LAXDET, discussing the connection between LA and Detroit, a collaboration with the Detroit Design Festival. The event will be taking place on June 10th from 2 to 4 p.m. at Row DTLA at 777 Alameda Street. And the uh, panel will also include Chris Denson, Lorcan O'Herlihy, and Eileen Lee. Thanks for listening.